This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Taking Care of Lady Business, where we put the business back in lady business. Hosted by Jennifer Justice, founder and CEO of the Justice Department, a management strategy and law firm that works with female and woke male entrepreneurs, executives, talent, brands, and creatives to build and maximize their wealth, focusing in the areas of tech, consumer product, finance, media, entertainment, and fashion. Jennifer interviews entrepreneurial women who have done it all, who will be sharing their secrets on all things business, especially as a woman. These highly successful women will share strategies and insights, including what not to do and what it takes to win. And now, here's your host, Jennifer Justice. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business. I'm Jennifer Justice. Today, we have Zoe Weisberg-Cody. She is the founder of Brand Style Communications. Hi, Zoe. Hi, how are you? Happy to be here. Thanks. I'm glad we finally got you here. What Zoe is not related at all in this um, by uh, you know title is that Zoe is a massive connector, and she is always connecting women that can help each other, and it's always amazing connections. And so I knew the one thing that she wouldn't do. She's always you know introducing me to amazing uh, women and women that have been on this podcast, including um, from the company Pinky that was just on. But I was like, she's never going to ask for herself to be. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> needs to know about her because they need to be able to hire her and get her services and her expertise because um, she does such amazing job. So with that, um, I'll let you talk now. So uh, tell us what Brand Style Communications is. So Brand Style Communications is a public relations agency and. What does that mean? PR has a lot of people just are very, are not fully clear on what PR is. And Mm -hmm. so we work with a range of brands and companies and founders and entrepreneurs to basically, I like to say we make them more interesting, (laughs) Um, but we really, and, and what does that look like? We help to drive exposure and awareness. And so we do that in many different ways. We do that through earned media. So getting great press coverage about our um, clients. We do a lot of speaking opportunities and thought leadership because our amazing clients and all of the great founders and entrepreneurs out there have a lot to say and Um, It's our job to find the right platforms for them to um, be there. They're always, we say, the best mouthpieces for their brands and companies. So we like to find the best platforms for them to go out there and talk. And we also uh, come up with lots of really interesting, exciting, relevant, strategic partnerships and activations and initiatives that make sense for all sorts of brands and companies from venture-backed, digitally native consumer brands to uh, technology companies and 
everything else in between. So give us an example of what kind of companies that you work with. Sure. So we have uh, two portfolios of companies at BrandStyle. Um, one is a consumer portfolio, and it's a pretty diverse group of a lot of digitally native venture-backed brands in the health and wellness space, lifestyle brands. Um, we really work with a range of consumer-facing products. Most of them have really, um, I would say the commonality between them is that they have really dynamic um, stakeholders behind them. So great founders and entrepreneurs who have a real story to tell about the concept that they've developed. Um, I don't love the word disruptive, but usually um, they are, you know, products and ideas that are coming into the market and have um, are providing a solution, serving up a solution to the end user that was not that is different from before. And then so that's our consumer portfolio. And then our tech portfolio are, you know, a several very high profile technology companies in the supply chain and logistics space. Um, these are, you know, companies that have had really amazing uh, valuations and are kind of, I would say, in the Fortune 500 company realm. And so how did you come to this? Like, you know, you have two specific kinds of companies that you represent, like what is your background that led you to be like, you know, I want to focus on these things because you're right. As you said, like, you know, PR, a lot of people don't really understand what it is. Right. And and then, you know, when digital age came about, like PR has kind of changed over the years, yes, it has. Um, you know, first it was keeping people out of the news, right. Back in like the fifties and like, <laughs> yeah. you know, but then, then it was like, okay, now let's like shout it out and like, you know, get people in front of, of everyone. Um, so like, how did you get here? And then we're going to go back to some of your clients, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great question. And so I actually have the most, um, I would say boring, trajectory of my, I'm not doing a good job of giving my career background a um, good PR, but I went to a um, communication school. I graduated and majored in PR. I had PR internships. I worked for some of the biggest PR agencies in New York. Um, I had one in-house PR job, and then I started brand style when I figured, you know, I was, I was young enough that I didn't know the challenges of owning a business. <laughs> so I, you know, I think that's kind of, you know, leap in the net will appear. And so um, I had the relationships and a lot of contacts and I started, started the agency. But to answer your question about, you know, the kind of diverse portfolio that we have of both consumer and tech companies, you know, everything from skincare and puberty companies to, as I said, you know, warehouse robotics, how does that all match? You know, I was lucky to work for a lot of great PR agencies in New York City before I began, started BrandStyle. And for some reason at every agency that I was at, they always, I always got the most 
I was given like the really random accounts or the ones yeah. that it seemed like nobody else wanted to work on or, you know, I wasn't the like fashion person. I wasn't the beauty person or that just worked on those types. So I really kind of, you know, at the time it was really challenging because I was always like, How, what am I going to do with this company? How am I, you know, even if it was totally out of my my comfort zone, Um, But then after a while, it made me realize it helped me because I was able to work on any type of brand or industry. And it just got me really good at the PR part of it. So Mm -hmm. I was able to, you know, whether it was a brand or a company that I really had a personal interest in or one that was totally foreign to me, I could still kind of apply the same skills um, just because I had experienced so many working with so many different types of companies. And that was very helpful. And at the end of the day, it's, you know, how do we make this, you know, how do we make them interesting? How is it relevant? Why should media cover them now versus six months from now or three months from now? really asking those questions, you know, what's the significance of their news of the of of who they are. And so when I was able to kind of apply that, then I could do it for anything. And then so when I uh, started Brand Style, we really have always had, you know, this kind of diverse portfolio of companies. Um, but they all seem to fall in some a certain like two certain categories, you know. And it's like some yeah. some people you know represent individuals, some people represent companies. when it comes yes. to PR, so um, and it's interesting because what you're doing now is like so relevant to like help the growth of a company, and you know, in, in particular in your D to C kind of stuff, which is not easy, you know, to set yourself yes. apart. So when when should somebody come to you? Right, I think that is a question so many companies don't know because it's not cheap to get PR, right? And at what point in your growth do you go, okay, I need to be out there and telling the story or I need, you know, people need to be writing about us? Yes, another great question. Um, So, you know, there's a lot of moments that happen for a company that are significant and PR is a very, um, is an important tool to kind of amplify and be the mouthpiece for messages. So, and this could be, you know, a, an early stage kind of startup, usually PR for them is either, you know, when they have a funding announcement or they're coming to market and, they really need um, a partner to help them kind of nail their narrative. So what they're going to say about the company um, themselves in the news and really kind of help to guide and shape that story and grow and evolve it. So to answer your question for, you know, early stage kind of startups, I would say um, before the company launches would be the most ideal time because you really want to, you have one chance to kind of come out of the gate and you want to say the right things at the right time. Um, the art of PR is very much about 
the prioritization of the message. So you don't have to say everything all at once. You do want to kind of be strategic about the information that you put out there and when you put it out there and and how you talk about it. And it's very much like we like to really think about it as like guiding and shaping the message. And that's a really kind of important um, part. Now, I understand that many kind of early stage startups don't have big marketing budgets and PR budgets, and they're really deciding between should I go on, you know, should I put a bunch of money for social media and marketing? And, you know, it really kind of in a perfect world, you want to have all kind of cylinders firing and doing it all together. But we understand that that's not always possible. So my recommendation is to have a conversation. My I give free PR advice all day long, and I love it. Um, but to really talk about kind of what the goals are, what your timeline is, and depending on what that looks like, then, you know, companies can really kind of determine when the right time is for them. And then on the flip side for a larger company that's been around for a while, you know, there's many kind of events that would um, be appropriate for PR. So it's everything from if there's a kind of a rebrand or a new message they want to put out there, or they have specific news or an announcement that they want to kind of amplify in a different way. Um, Those are all great opportunities for PR. So when go to the the former category, which is probably more our listeners, which is like female founded companies, et cetera. And I think you said in the beginning, it's mostly venture backed, right? So you know that they have the money um, at least to pay you because that's a big, you know, issue, right? Being able to like have enough money to even hire someone um, like you to, to do it. So but you know what's the typical time frame though to get it up right a lot of people expect really fast results but it's not always that easy in, including like lead times etc for yes. press and booking the beauty of media now and i love my favorite thing to talk about is media because i love media so much but one there's there's just so much opportunity now there's so many media outlets. When I was started in PR, it was all about magazines. And, you know, now there's just so many more. There's, of course, all the online components of magazines, but there's so much great content being put out there in so many different forms, print, broadcast, digital, your great podcasts, like Taking Care of Lady Business and other top ones. And, you know, the expectation that we at Brandstyle put on ourselves is in, you know, the first, I would say, kind of first month to two months is when press coverage begins to run. Um, but that's when we have a little bit of a lead time in terms of, you know, being able to gather all the information, kind of process it and do the work. And so that usually, you know, takes a month before we put it out to press. So in a perfect world, most entrepreneurial founded, entrepreneur founded uh, startups and companies, it usually takes between a month and two months, I would say, for to see press coverage run. Right. Okay. 
All right. Well, that is um, in a great like marker for people who are listening and understanding exactly what they should be expecting. Well, what about, I have a question about, you know, when we see this a lot in female founders, um, I don't see it as much in male founders, uh, founded companies, you know, putting yourself out there as the brand, you know, and putting yourself out there, you know, all the time in press as an individual versus the brand. Do you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Um, and like, what are your thoughts on that? Putting yourself out there versus the brand. So as the founder, yeah, and you, you don't see it as much in male founded brands as female founded Not brands. Not really. I mean, no. I get, you know what I mean? It's like, you keep hearing, it's like, oh, I need to, you know, I need to build my personal brand, you know, but you're also building a company. So when people are investing in you, they're investing in in the brand, not the, you know, not you personally as the CEO who should be running the company. You know, well, I, I'm not. I, I'm asking your opinion on it. You yeah. know what I? Mean? I do think from an investor, you know, perspective, I think investors are really looking, obviously, for a dynamic operator and you know a stakeholder, a, a CEO, a founder that has a, you know, a clear uh, mission and vision and values for their companies. And I've definitely, I think you and I have both sat in on investor presentations where we've seen that. And, you know, the, the dynamic founder is an amazing thing to see because they are the ones that are very much painting the picture of what they're building and trying to create. Again, that's why I always say that, the stakeholder is the best mouthpiece for the company. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, I don't know if it's really like, I hear you that female founders might put themselves forth more than male founders are kind of be a part of the brand. I don't, I don't know if that's, I'd have to really look if that's fully the case. I mean, I think that there was a time where a lot of brands were, and this is probably in the past five years, we're very focused on the founder story Mm -hmm. over, they led with the founder story over the solution that they were providing or the product. Yeah. And so from a media perspective, from the, the press coverage that you'd see around the company was about, was like founder led and I think that that is definitely evolving a little bit now that the founder is still an, a very important part of the story, but the consumer also wants to understand what the product, you know, what, how is this product really different? How is it, you know, how's it going to make a difference in my life? And mm-hmm. beyond just that, you know, the packaging is really great or the branding is really good. You know, is this a product that I can, you know, count on and go back to? And so that part has to be in it as well. Um, I love, love, love a founder story. And I, and like I said, I do believe that that's a, it really does kind of make it help the brand, um, help communicate the brand. And today's consumer is very, they want that emotional connection with a brand and and whether that's for a cause that they believe in or you know for there's many obviously many reasons why people purchase products and and things and so 
that emotional connection with the brand, with the founder definitely counts um, for, Mm -hmm. for a lot. But I would say that now compared to like five years ago, it is more, it's not as founder led. It's also about the the company and the products. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's because we've seen every uh, and Netflix and Hulu series about (laughs) (laughs) founders we were so interested in, not necessarily female ones. Um, And really what happened behind the scenes there, you know? Yes. Yep. Yep. I I know. Yeah. Some of the ones that you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, fascinating, you know, to binge watch for sure, but just kind of sad that so many people had to lose money over it or didn't make money or very, very few made a lot of money and a lot of other people suffered from them all. Um, No, it's just, it's just interesting dynamic. I see a lot that, you know, it seems like the the female founder is kind of ha- asked to do double duty in, in becoming like a brand in and of itself and then have the company because that's what it would take to get, you know, the product seen and understood more, you know. And I, I'm not even sure. I mean, I'm asking this question. I mean, it's just coming to me right now as so I'm asking it. I don't even have an opinion on it, you know. It just seems like a lot of work. <laughs> It is. Yep. It is a lot of work. I mean, it's all, it's all a lot of work and, but I hear you what you're saying. And I I do, I do think that there is probably more emphasis put on female founders to, you know, throw the ball, catch the ball, yeah, put the ball down the field, the whole thing. Exactly. They're playing all positions. Yes. Sports reference. Yeah. It's amazing. (laughs) <laughs> move the ball down All the right. field. Um, and so how long have you had brand style now as a company? Uh, we're almost going on 15 years. Wow. Which, um, yeah, that's, it's pretty crazy. Um, it, the, the company has evolved in many different ways and, uh, you know, because the landscape has changed and the need for, Companies need different things in addition to earned media, which I would say, you know, really is our sweet spot. Um, Define earned media for people who don't know. Yeah. So earned media is any press coverage, any press in a media outlet, print, broadcast, digital podcast, that is not an advertisement. Um, So it's any article, it could be a profile in Forbes, it could be a story in Vogue, it could be a trend story in Wall Street Journal off-duty, it could be on the Taking Care of Lady Business podcast, Mm -hmm. a... Getting some earned media right now. Yeah, sit down (laughs) with the founders of a great company, it could be... Um, a talking head going on CNBC or MSNBC or the Today Show, or, you know, there's a lot of different places, but those types of, those are media opportunities. And those carry, um, they're very difficult to get and all of everything that I just said, but they also carry a lot of weight Mm -hmm. for a brand and a company versus you know, really any other form of media, because it's a very kind of authentic, credible, non, it's essentially not put out by on behalf of the company. It's a journalist writing about the company. So it's a, it's kind of an elevated form of 
driving exposure and awareness to the company. Right. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it does. It, it does. Because it, like there's a big difference. I think everybody knows what a paid ad is, right? You know, an <laughs> earned media. So it's like doing an influencer thing. That's not earned media. It's like, you know, it's getting more transactional. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Okay. So sorry, go back to, I interrupted you and <laughs> how you were pivoting, et cetera. Oh yeah. So we, you know, with the, with the market, I would say our sweet spot is definitely um, press coverage, earned media for companies. A lot of amazing dynamic founders and companies really come to us to, you know, we are their partners. We really function as, as an in-house kind of part of their team. We have, you know, our clients, it's, we're not just getting press for them. We are really thinking about their companies and their brands and what would make sense for them, what they should do, where they should be, you know, how they should be positioning themselves. We are, we really kind of get in there. And and I think it's more just a function of like, we can't help ourselves because we like, you know, we really love working with the companies that we, all the great companies that we get to work with. And it's goes beyond the relationship is very integrated and it's collaborative. And, and we have, you know, we work oftentimes directly with the CEO, with the founders to just talk about their company, how they should, what their, you know, what their next product could be like, what they should be speaking about, places that they should be focused on. And and we kind of go from there. So it's a very, it's a close relationship. And we really kind of look out for our, our clients, our partners um, in more than just, you know, getting them press coverage. But that's a big part of um, why we kind of, <laughs> why we're hired by companies is to get them those really significant kind of needle moving pieces that, you know, you read about them in the Wall Street Journal, or you see a segment on CBS Sunday morning, or you see something in Vogue, and you just immediately have to kind of try them or look, look at the look into the company or kind of learn more about them. So it's really, they're very kind of game changing pieces, we like to say game-changing press coverage. How, and then or do you help them figure out who their audience is and how you're going to expand the audience? We do. We do. That's another big part. So, you know, oftentimes founders, for the most part, kind of have know who their audience is to an extent. And through the, through our communication efforts, through the narratives and the storylines that we craft on their behalf, we look at other, how we can broaden that initial kind of target and who else, who are the other, who are we not marketing to yet and really kind of expand that. And and that's a very strategic, um, that's a strategic way. So we are, you know, coming up with other initiatives, strategic partnerships with like-minded, non-conflicting brands that help companies, you know, really expand. Right. So it's more like a business development, right? Yeah, it is. It's that's that this is true. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I think uh, putting these kinds of terms to what you actually do beyond just PR, you know, is really important. I mean, you were the reason why Pinky was on the show, right? (laughs) He was on the podcast. Yes. Yes. That was a great segment. And they're a really fantastic example of a, an early stage company that just raised the uh, a very successful seed round. Um, we just announced that they are in Target stores nationwide, and they have really, they have an interesting story to tell. They, they deployed a really kind of um, smart funding strategy when they were getting a lot of no's because we're kind of past that funding frenzy that was happening over a year ago. And and they managed to raise a million dollars, really connecting with all sorts of investors that they that the brand um, very much resonated for them with. They also deployed a really strategic dish sampling strategy before they were in targets at, at New York City schools, which was very smart. Mm-hmm. Um, they've just really done, you know, any kind of, and listen, I think, you know, any founder that's hearing this understands that there's an obstacle every day. And, you know, it's the, we like to look at challenges as opportunities and, they have had, they were tied to Silicon Valley Bank. They have had every single challenge and they have done a fantastic job at, you know, really working through every obstacle and just moving forward, putting one foot in front of the other. And I really see that with founders, all the founders that we get to work with and talk to, you know, the difference between the companies that are, you know, really grow and evolve and and do go on to do great things are everybody is a hard worker. Everybody is, you know, kind of invested in the company, but the ones that really just continue to believe and stay true to the vision and stay focused, um, are the ones that even with, you know, all of the obstacles and we recognize it's, there's always something and it's, it's hard. It's very challenging, especially in a landscape like today's, especially being a female founder, you know, even before the kind of the market is now there was, you know, female founders were getting a lot less um, funding than Male founded companies. I mean, and that's true. I mean, that's never changed over the history of time. And I think we need to stop trying to change it and just accept that fact and and look to other sources, resources for money, you know, including each other. Um, Because if only two to three percent are getting it and only have gotten it since we've been tracking it the last 10 years, then why would we think it's going to do any different? And so we just need to look at alternative sources of of money, really, you know, but it's true. It's like the ones who are like, you know, I know what I'm building is important and I don't care how many no's I hear and how many stumbling blocks I have. I have to keep moving and, and keep it moving forward or it's never, you know, it's like, it's just going to fall apart and it'll be my 
fault, you know, for doing it. So it's like, <laughs> we just got to keep it moving just no matter it what, because it's like, there's a million people who don't want it, you know, are going to tell you why it won't work. Right. Exactly. Or why it's not important. Exactly. Um, but no, yeah, that's awesome. So along Pinky's journey, how, when did you guys come in before or after the raise? Um, before we came in before we really helped them, um, kind of lay the groundwork and get their concept out into the okay. market. So talk about, you know, how the product is differentiated, um, how the founders really, you know, came up with this idea and developed it and, you know, what the future, um, what's in store. So there is definitely, we had some time before they raised, which that was a, you know, beautiful thing. <laughs> well, I mean, that helps too, right? Because if you yeah. can get out there and you can um, kind of set the tone and make sure yeah. that you, you know, you have an MVP out there and that you're making money, then when you do finally raise money, you have more leverage. You know, yeah. if women are forced to do that, th that only helps in the long run, you know? Yes. We have to build each other up and we're all in it to, in it to win it. <laughs> and all those other sayings. Yes. I love it. Well, um, I'm just looking at time and I realize that like we are over already and I'm sorry, but it was like fascinating to talk to you. And I love hearing how you're helping build these brands and they're all so amazing. And you're such an amazing connector. Um, but over the years, we've all gotten bad advice. And so our final question, I'm going to ask you, what is the worst advice you've ever received? To not start my company. Yeah, of course. And why <laughs> did you get that advice? I got that advice. It was during a time when um, it was, you know, recession. Um, there was, it must have been, it was like 2008, 2009, around there. It was just not a great financial market. And I didn't, um, I could have gotten another job, but didn't listen to, I just, you know, I think the the most important thing is to really listen to that inner voice yeah. and just like, just stay focused on that. Don't worry about what everybody else has is saying and, and what you should be doing or what you think, you know, it's really listening to what, what feels right and focus on that. And just, as I said earlier, leap in the net will appear. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. If people want to find you in brand style, how do they find you? And then they can find all your amazing companies as well. Thank you. This was so much fun. And I, during our conversation, I actually thought of somebody else to connect you with who would be great for the show. Um, I love it. So everyone can follow us on Instagram at, at brandstyle and um, we're brandstyle.com. Um, B-R-A-N-D-S-T-Y-L-E. And we look forward to connecting. Um, like I said earlier, we spend a lot of time talking to founders and entrepreneurs just kind of about, um, about their companies and, you know, when is the right time and what they should be saying. So we're very open. We love providing consult and advice um, to everyone. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on, telling your story, giving everyone insight into how they can use brand style and all the other things that you do. Um, so everyone listening, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Taking Care of a Lady Business. Until next time, I'm Jennifer Justice. <laughs>